your Bibles, please, for our second reading to the second chapter of the book of Joshua. Joshua, chapter 2, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid down in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that, the, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be, when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, 
which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain, and abode there three days, until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly, the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. As we come to chapter 2 of Joshua, we, we have a continuation of chapter 1. Joshua is now the man that the Lord has put in charge. They are still on the other side of Jordan. They have not yet crossed over Jordan. We don't get there until the next chapter. So Joshua, to encourage the people, sends two spies to search out the land of Jericho, the, the first big battle, the first big proof that they will have when they go across Jordan. It's the first city to fall. And so he sends them, uh, and they, uh, they cross over the fords, right? That area of Jordan where it's more easy to cross. And away they go, and they, they come to Jericho, and they enter into a house of a, of a harlot whose name is Rahab. Um, the, the morals in this uh, in this chapter are often highly misconstrued. So I want to make sure that we understand what's going on here. Uh, Rahab, uh, it says, is a harlot. Most commentators are agreed that there was um, something, at least in her past, that would render her a woman of ill repute. She had that kind of reputation. Uh, notice that that did not stop the men from uh, going into her household, and her, it didn't stop her from offering them protection. There was something that had happened between Rahab's past and her present where it seems very clearly that she has become a believer in the true God, the God of Israel. She is spoken of here as a, man, a, a, as a woman that has faith, and we, we have her, don't we, in Hebrews chapter 11, and in James chapter 2, she is spoken of as a woman of faith. That is true saving faith in Jehovah, the God of Israel. Um, this, is a, this is a fascinating thing. Some commentators have gone so far as to say, well, they, they came to that house because it was the house of a harlot. Perhaps they would have found a greater instance of hospitality at night there. Perhaps it was the reputation. But I'm here to tell you that there is nothing in the text 
<coughs> that would even hint or imply that anything untoward went on. Absolutely not. These men were followers of the Lord God. They were, if you will, Joshua's trusted men. The second piece of morality that comes up here is that we end up with a, with a sort of situational ethic with Rahab's behavior here. And what I mean by a situational ethic is that some will say that she did good that evil may come and she is commended for doing so. May I say, beloved, that that is never a biblical option. We are never to do good that evil may come. In the third chapter of Romans, the Apostle Paul will say, people that say that, their damnation is just. Don't hold back, Paul. Tell us how you really feel. Their damnation is just. So is there a way that we might come to this passage just as we said a moment ago about the two spies, that there was nothing hinky going on there. Hinky, that's a theological word. Um, Can we also say something like that about Rahab? And I believe we can. If we look at the the passages where Rahab's name is used in the New Testament, in chapter 6 of this book, 17 and 25, it said that she was spared because she hid the spies. Did she hide the spies? Yes. Was that a good thing? Yes. She hid the spies. And so that was commended. In Hebrews 11.31, it says that she received the spies with peace. Was that a good thing? Yes, it was a good thing. She's commended for that. In James 2.25, It is mentioned that she sent them out another way. Is that commendable? Yes. Is she commended for that? Yes. Is she ever, beloved, commended for lying? No. She's never commended for that. She misguidedly lied because she thought that would be the best way to handle the situation. It's never acceptable to do good that, or sorry, to do evil that good may come. Yeah. <laughs> Never acceptable to do good? Pastor, we're heading for another church now. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's never acceptable to do evil that good may come. So she is also, uh, as we'll see later, in the genealogy of Christ. She's, she's one of two women that are mentioned in Christ's genealogy in Matthew's gospel. Uh, We don't ensconce names like that if they are not commendable. Was Rahab commendable? Yes. What was she commended for? Her faith in Jehovah. And her faith in Jehovah meant that she received the spies with peace, she hid them on the roof, and then sent them out another way. That in the the process of that, she told a lie to to the officials from Jericho is never commended in Scripture. So we want to make sure that we take this as an application. What's the application, beloved? It's a very simple application, yet very, very profound. It is that when we remember someone to someone else, 
that we're quick to mention the good things that they've done and slow to mention the evil things that they've done. Because that's what the author in Hebrews does, that's what Joshua does, and that's what James does. When we remember Rahab then, let's not remember that she lied. That's a tarnish on her reputation. Let's remember that she received the spies with peace, that she hid them on the roof, and that she sent them out another way. Right? And if we would do that with Rahab, maybe we could begin to do that with one another. Isn't that a great passage for that? Doesn't that help us? Okay, so uh, her confession of faith is, is good. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. This is what people of faith do. They confess what the Lord is doing and will do. Note also that her confession of faith is consistent with that household benefit that is so often seen in Scripture. So her confession of faith as the provider for her household, in one way or another, we know not what, is what? That all, of, all those within her house will also be carried with her out of, out of Jericho with safety. Um, what do unbelievers do when they hear the great things of God? They fear and are discouraged. Their hearts melt. But very often that fear translates into threatening and violence, doesn't it? Not with Rahab. She applied to the men of God that were in her home for deliverance. This is a sign of her faith once again. I want to clear up a misunderstanding here. The, the, uh, the rope of verse 15 is different from the cord of verse 18. It's easy to misunderstand. Let's read verse 18. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. Um, it's not the, the cord, that's not what's being spoken of, with which thou didst let us down. That's the rope of verse 15. It's the window through which we went that is being spoken of there. So the, so the rope that's hanging out, it doesn't, that rope doesn't remain as a sign that Rahab, uh, you know, uh, let the spies out. The rope is pulled up and a little scarlet thread is tied up there in the window so that the Israelites can count the windows on the wall and know which house to save when the wall comes down. That make sense? So it's not the, it's not the cord that's left there. It's that window that is being spoken of. All right, so then there are three provisions for the oath. Rahab must do three things. Remember what they are? She must bind the thread in the window. She must gather her family into the house rather than to flee. It's a faithful response. It's a trusting response. The walls are about to fall. Um, what shall we do? Wait for the spies. They'll lead you out safely. And then the third thing is that she will utter none of this business to any. And if she keeps her end, they keep their end. And so those promises will be secure and she will be let out, which is exactly what happens. And we'll see that later on in the book. All right. So uh, finally, then the, the chapter ends on an encouraging note. We'll see that in verse 23. The two men returned and descended from the mountain, and passed over, and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. 
And notice their faithful response. They said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, even all the inhabitants of the country, do faint or melt because of us. That's, that's faithful speech, is it not? And what is most interesting about that is they don't talk about, uh, that's not the, um, that is the first thing that they mention. They don't talk about Rahab and the, and the, and the, um, the arrangement uh, being hid, the perils. They don't talk about all that. What they are forward to mention to Joshua and what Joshua records for our reading here is that the Lord is going to do what he promised. All the inhabitants of the land do melt because of us. We might make one more comment here. Uh, sometimes from the pulpit here we speak of our morale together as a people. Right? Our covenantal relationship with one another. And we'll often speak of that in terms of morale. Because any group of people, if they will remain together, must have a proper morale among themselves. A cohesiveness. Right? Um, what was the morale, the cohesiveness of the people of the land? Truly, they feared. They feared and were ready uh, to be defeated. And that is a sign to Joshua and to the spies that they will indeed fall to the invasion. What happens to any church that develops a, quote, fearful morale or a morale of infighting or a morale of accusation? We too will fall, will we not? That's a sign from God that unless we repent, we're about to come apart. Right? So morale is a very important thing for a church, for a land, for a nation. But we must remember that that morale, that cohesiveness, that must have something around which to center itself. And that would be indeed the very word of God. All right, with that then, let's...